Welcome back to the Singapore Noodles podcast. I'm your host, Pamelia Chia, and every week we speak with a different guest who is keeping Singaporean food heritage alive. Today's episode is a bit different. I'm kicking off a series on the podcast titled The Everyday Singaporean. And in this series, I speak with Singaporeans who might not necessarily work with Singaporean food directly in their lives, but who have stories or interesting perspectives to share. So our very first guest on this series is Benjamin Lim. I came across an Instagram account that he was managing called The Forgetful Cook, which has beautiful snapshots of his grandmother cooking heritage dishes. And when I started following his own personal account, which was private, I was blown away by the produce that he was growing in his own home garden and the kind of food that he was learning from his Burmese helper, Charlie, as well as his sharings of their wet market visits together. In this episode, he shares about their dynamic relationship, what they have learned from each other cooking in the kitchen, as well as the motivation behind the forgetful cook. I hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Scrolling through your Instagram feed and I'm so in love with all your produce and everything that you've been cooking so far, it's so amazing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. No, but I mean, I I don't think that um, it's very like, that that interesting i mean looking at your I, i've been like following your feed for like very long and then seeing all the different cuisines all the different dishes you do wow it's like i don't even i can't imagine how much you know you know like how much more knowledge you have no i feel like there are definitely still some spot, some blind spots when it comes to cuisines like burmese food is something that i've always wanted to learn more about but mm. I feel that in terms of ingredients, it's a bit harder to find compared to other cuisines, in Singapore at least. Yeah, um, definitely. Because um, actually before, you know, I started to explore um, Burmese food and um, with, with Shelly, um, my domestic helper, you know, I've never actually like thought about, you know, looking for Burmese food and seeking it out. Um, you know, in Singapore, the common ones are like your Thai food, your Indonesian food. For the regional dishes yeah so i think burmese food like as you said is something you know quite um still under the radar in singapore something that um, many of us haven't actually had a chance to try yeah like when i came across your your feed i thought it was really amazing because not only do you um grow amazing produce but you are also it's a very um how do you describe it like a dynamic process of learning between you and your and and charlie you know rather than it being a top-down kind of thing which happens in most households it's like you know when you come and work for me then you know you have to learn how to cook the food that i think i do it yeah the way i do it right the way you put it was very nice it's i guess like a dynamic relationship um the way that um we learn from each other and how we explore each other's cuisine. So how this all started. So actually she started to work for us in about 2019, May. So it's been about one and a half years. Um, at that point, I've been cook, like playing around with cooking for about a year. So, you know, I was quite interested with um, learning all the different um, techniques, dishes, all the different cuisines. Because um, as you know, in, in the culinary world, there's like really so much and so many things that um, there is to explore. So, you know, almost every day or every week, you know, I'll try a different dish from a different um, country, like, um, or different, like, states, you know. So I think um, she could see that 
I was very interested in cooking. She always say, oh, wow. You know, Ben always liked to cook. <laughs> and because my parents don't cook, you know. Yeah, so so she would always like joke, well, you know, why are you always in the kitchen, you know. And I think another thing was I could sense that she also like, found some joy um, and took pride in the food that she was cooking for us because um, there would be times, you know, out of the blue, she would bring out a dish, uh, a new dish that she's been um, trying to learn um, or, or replicate from um, old Ch- like Chinese cooking books that we have at home. Yeah, so that was very nice. And sometimes she'll bring something like, that looks very elaborate. We, we would always be very impressed that, you know, she would, you know, take the initiative and um, read through, you know, all the different cookbooks and, and actually try these recipes out. Um, so that's how, you know, we started to talk about cooking and, and the food that we, we like with each other. Um, and I think it was only during the um, circuit breaker period that, I could really take the time um, at home to talk to her more and, and find out about um, where she came from and, and, and the kind of food and cooking that um, they do back home. Because um, previously I was um, quite busy with school and you know, I didn't really have m- that much time you know, um, to spend at home. You know, during that period, then everyone's trying to look for something to do. Uh, one thing that I always wanted to do was um, grow my own produce. <laughs> I used to follow, like, um, I was following um, Joanna. I'm not sure if you know, like, WW Edibles. Yeah, so looking at Instagram feed again, you know, so many different varieties of, like, vegetables or fruits. So that was really what inspired me. When I started to, you know, want to plant more and grow my own vegetables at home, you know, Shelly was, you know, very, very happy because um, she started to share with me, you know, that back home, she, she was actually, her family was growing their own produce and selling it at the markets and, yeah, so that's how, you know, when we're in the garden, then we'll talk about, oh, you know, what can we do with this um, fruit? What can we do with this vegetable? How does she prepare it back home? Then when we get the produce, then um, we'll try to like replicate what she did back home with what we have. Yeah, so that's something that um, was, was very nice. La. I read on your Instagram that her family were um, from the farming industry. Is that right? I wouldn't call it an industry. Okay, because I think... Um, what the way she explained it to me was that back there, everyone, um, each household would actually have their own plot of land um, somewhere a, a little more far out. So um, maybe about 30 minute walk away, you know, they have this large plot of land um, where, you know, they're free to grow whatever crops that they wanted. They, they actually grow a lot of rice, um, maize and millet, um, corn and all sorts of like vegetables. Um, I think more than she could actually like explain to me, you know. So it's really quite amazing that how, you know, how much space they have to be able to um, live on their own produce and at the same time sell at the, at, at the markets. I think your relationship with uh, Charlie is so unique because it's almost as if the lines between um, friendship and say an employer slash employee relationship has been so blurred, right? Um, so how do you navigate that? Do you, like, do you just treat Charlie as a friend and then leave the employer side of things to your parents? Like, how does it work? In my family, like, as you said, you know, maybe I treat her more like, you know, my friend at home. I, I'm always um, in the kitchen or wherever she is, just talking to her, you know, like, Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, I, you know, just like making a lot of like small talk and 
yeah. I'm always just trying to ask her, you know, oh, how do you, um, what do you do back home? You know, what, what is it you like to watch? And then um, recently I've, I've been trying like to learn like her language. So it's to, how to speak her language. And it's, it's very funny because I'll just be like standing next to her like for five minutes and trying to learn one word because, you know, it's, it's the nuances in, in the way to pronounce and it's, it's, very difficult, but you know she's very patient and she's very happy la, to um, teach me her language. Um, I guess regarding you know the employer side of things, um, yes, my my, fan, my 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 parents still do you know uh, uh, assume that role um, very much so. But um, actually, in our family, I would say that she's really like everyone treats her like as one of um, our family members. Yeah. Um, Everyone, we're always, you know, like joking around with her, talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's very nice. Yeah. I think that's so like heartwarming, and I feel that you having met Charlie as kind of like an adult, it's so different from you know someone who grows up with a helper, right? Because now mm. you kind of see her as an equal, like a friend. Whereas if you, like, for example, I had a helper who was um, working for my family for about 20 years. And I, like, one of my biggest regrets is that, you know, when you are growing up, you take everything for granted, right? Your relationship mm. with, with your parents, your relationship with your grandparents. Like, you don't really ask, like, oh, what was your life before you had me? Or, like, um, you know, what was your life like before you became my grandmother, for example? Yeah. So I, I think I just felt really bad that I didn't ask more about where she came from, the kind of food that she enjoyed eating. You know, mm. it's so taken for granted that um, helpers kind of fit into our lives. And yet it's not really like a level kind of playing ground for many people in Singapore with their helpers. So I think it's really wonderful. Um, do you feel like there was any particular reason that um, that your family treated Charlie differently um, as compared to other Singaporean families and their relationship with their helpers? Uh, like you, I think oh, many of um, Singaporeans, we, you know, many of us would have grown up with, um, you know, um, the same um, helper and, you know, for, for many, many years who have seen us grow up. Um, I think it's, it's not something to um, that comes naturally to like children, you know, to be so inquisitive about um, the helpers' lives, you know, what they do. Um, so, I mean, just just like you, you know, when I was young, um, you would take these things for granted. Um, these things are not something that you know you're particularly concerned with. You know, every day just concerned about like what can I do to play? What when can I? You know, yeah. So I think as I matured and only when I started to learn about um, cooking and, and, and the way things work, I was a lot more curious about um, not just, you know, exploring my heritage, but other people's um, um, cuisines as well. So, um, and it's like, you know, you, you have, Shelly, you know, someone who's from Burma, uh, a small state in Burma, um, that in it, that itself, you know, it's, it's very unique because there's for many like religious and political um, reasons lah. But they're staying with you twenty four seven, and then it's like, you know, we we never bother to um, just ask them about you know their lives and and 
what they do every day. And I think it's it's a missed opportunity, like for both of um, for more for us as Singaporeans than mm-hmm. for them to share with us. Because I think as Singaporeans, we're all very privileged, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's it's a very simple act. But you know, they're they're far away from um their their own home and their own families, and I think giving them that opportunity to speak about and talk to um us about you know their lives and and what they enjoy doing you know it's something that can help them um, maybe adjust better to Singapore and uh, feel like you know they can fit in with the family. Yeah I, I think that with Circuit Breaker I think it really highlights the divide between us and them in the sense that I see a lot of my friends complaining about um say for example oh you know we are always at home we can't go out or like um, now the work-life balance has been blurred because, you know, it's more ambiguous because you are living and working in the same place. Mm. And I'm just thinking, well, that's the life of many yeah, people out there. Yeah, exactly. And we don't realize that, you know. Um, so I think it was very, I, I feel like the whole experience, experience just helped me understand that situation a little bit more, a little bit more empathetic. Um, yeah, so how was the cooking process like for you and Charlie? Like, was it, like, I, I understand that you used to work as a chef for a while. Is that right? <laughs> oh, uh, no, uh, I wasn't working as a chef. I think, actually, I, I was and I still am a medical student. I'm currently in my final year. So, actually, I think what you saw on my Instagram was that I, I did um, two different stages at um, rest- different restaurants. So um, the first one was um, at Restaurant Labyrinth uh, with Chef um, Han and Alistair. So um, yeah, you know, at the point I was very interested, you know, with food and um, just so happens, you know, I was able to, you know, I, um, and Labyrinth was one of the restaurants that I, I thought was, you know, doing something that's really cool, you know, like you using local produce and and I guess, um, exp- um, doing like different things with with the local dishes and flavors. So, you know, I wanted to learn about the process of how they did things. So, I I, I texted a chef Han and and he let me um, come to to his kitchen as a stage um, with no experience whatsoever, no culinary school um, um, background. And you know, they took me in. They were very you know at the start. You know, they were always like joke around and then like you know, poke fun at me for being slow and things like that. Um, but, you know, they really like helped and, and made me feel like a family in that very short one and a half weeks that I was there with them. Um, and after that, um, I actually went to London um, mm-hmm. at Restaurant Ledbury um, to do a three-week stage there as well. Yeah, so again, you know, from um, no, like, no background in like the culinary arts to going to like that two-star Michelin um, restaurant um, it was tough, you know, the working hours are crazy. And yeah, all, you guys, chefs are always standing up like for so many hours at a time. I I really don't understand, you know, how, how they can do this every but, day in and out. Yeah, but that's so similar to the medical industry, right? I mean, my friends who are doctors, they just work like graveyard shifts and, you know, wake up really, really early, come home late, always on their feet. So it's pretty similar, mm-hmm. no? They're both very demanding in the sense that, you know, it's it's... It can be very long and irregular hours, um, and yet it's it's. I would say in the medical industry, it's also somewhat of a like 
similar to the service, you know, F&B industry in that, you know, your patients are, you know, you have to treat your patients well and care about, you know, each patient that comes in, same as, you know, the food as you're cooking or, you know, you're serving your customers. So, um, but I think in the in, in, in cooking, working in the kitchen, it's much more physically tiring. You know, you always have to be, especially during the um, service service time when everyone's cooking, oh, that's like adrenaline, adrenaline rush to max, you know? Yeah, but it was very, very fun and an and, and experience that I'll never forget. Lah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I, I wasn't really a chef, but, you know, I, I took the opportunity during my holidays to do a stage in, in these restaurants to learn more about um, what like it's like to work in the kitchen. Yeah, so then going back home and then, you know, trying all these weird things and experimenting with, like, modernist food. And Chinese always, you know, so, like, um, confused as to why are you doing this with, you know, like, like this pumpkin? Why, why are you, like, you know, cooking it and then blending it and combining it with so many things. Mm. Um, but, you know, she's still, like, very interested to learn. Um, mm. Yeah, but um, as, as over the, um, as time passed, um, I guess I realized that um, I personally um, prefer or, or tend to um, like, you know, dishes that are prepared simply, you know, um, and the way that most of us, you know, home cooks do. Um, you know, regardless of like um, how many techniques you can um, put into one dish, you know, um, what matters most is the taste and, you know, who you're cooking it for. La. Yeah, so I think um, Shelly has like um, really helped to balance that part of me, you know, always wanting to experiment and try different things, but, you know, at the end, nobody's going to eat it. So um, she always, you know, tell me, oh, you know, why don't like you know with this let's say with this pumpkin let's cook it a different way i'll show you how i do it back home i totally can relate with what you're saying because before i became before i started working as a chef um i would also cook like on sundays or on saturdays um you know because monday to fridays i go to school so i'll cook on the weekends and it's always like really chefy kind of things you know, things that you see yeah. in restaurants that you want to like replicate or things that you see on social media on like chef feeds. Um, and then like, I think there's always this feeling of a disconnect, you know what I mean? Because at least for, for Singaporeans, I feel like we are not like white tablecloth kind of people. Um, you know, like when I cook those really chefy yeah. things for say my mom, uh, they eat like she cannot understand not not cannot understand but that is not the food that she craves for um, mm. and I think that taught me a lot in terms of like what the function of cooking is like essentially it's all about the person whom you're cooking for uh, mm. it's all about giving pleasure to the person right mm. like um, I remember one of my culinary heroes used to be Jamie Oliver like okay. um, his cookbook was my very first cookbook I think I think there was this recipe for a soft-boiled egg over like asparagus and some like grilled <laughs> bacon and it looked yeah. really really nice because like Jamie Oliver's photography in his books it's always top-notch so it looks like really really appetizing but when like you make it you know it's just very simple <laughs> like you know egg, yeah. asparagus bacon 
And I tried to make it very chefy. Now I gave it to my grandmother. And she ate it. Like I could tell that in her head is like, huh, that's it. You know what? So I, I think it's so interesting because when you have like people like Charlie around you when you're cooking, I think it really humbles you and really teaches you the heart of cooking. This is um, my experience. I guess maybe many new sh- um, people who just get into cooking, you know, they, they slowly want to learn more and then they, they see all these cool techniques and they want to try it out. Um, that's like, I'm still, I guess I'm still in a phase of experimentation. Um, but a lot of times, you know, if I take a step back and think like, you know, who's going to be eating this? Who's really going to be enjoying this? Would they choose rather eat this like, um, I guess like beef rendang over um, what I'm eating right now, you know? Like which would they prefer to choose if you put it on the table and which would they be happier with? So I think one thing I always try to remind myself is that, you know, all these like cool techniques and, and all the different tools are cool, but, you know, always just try to go back to like um, cooking from the heart and, and simple dishes are always the ones that taste best. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. Like, I feel that with a lot of Singaporean food, there's a lot of soul. Um, and I feel that, like, say, for example, I cook a really, like, say, technical dish. Um, and it could be, like, really delicious. But I feel that when I cook things like um, Teochew porridge, which is, like, super simple, right? Like, mm. really plain rice gruel. And then, like, you know simple sides like it can be such an emotional meal you know or like chicken curry which is like so basic it's like singaporean cooking 101 right like you definitely have to master that kind of dishes i feel that like those kind of the those kind of dishes are the kinds of dishes that makes me and my family the most happy and so now i feel like like i only save like the really like slightly more technical dishes for say if I host a party I don't cook them Mm. day to day anymore whereas like in the past when I first started yeah it was like every single thing that I cooked had to be like like super super inventive you know very out of the box yeah yeah so which market will you normally go with uh, Charlie um the ones that I've actually um visited actually um if I go with her I'll usually bring her to Teka Market um uh, i think the first time when that it was i thought you know i would be showing her you know wow you know singapore has so many cool produce and you know we have all these things that i personally never grew up seeing um yeah so but when she went there she's like oh you know oh i we used to like grow this at home we eat this this way so you know it's like i i was like oh man like what what was i missing out you know when i was um growing up there are so many different things that you know, um, I've never even tasted before or touched in my hand. So, yeah. Um, so she would go there and then um, I'll just tell her, you know, like, what, what are the things that you like to cook? What are the things that um, I guess um, we haven't really, like, seen in the supermarkets in Singapore? So she'll pick out, you know, like, the banana stems, the finger root. Um, and, and, and I'll just, like, say, okay, do whatever you want a bit. And then, you know, like, today we can, like, taste, you know, what... Um, what what kind of food you know you enjoy eating so i think the first time i tasted finger root um i was like like mind blown you know it was so delicious um she actually pounded it um with 
um, tomato like that we grew at home and some garlic and, and green chili and it made this like very citrusy, very um, spicy sauce, dipping sauce that we dipped with um, another glutinous rice dish that um, she made for us and I was like, you know, this tastes so amazing, so complex and like, you know, it tasted a bit fermented, it tasted, you know, spicy and sweet. I was like, yeah, I think um, I was just, you know, there's so many things that um, the supermarkets don't really um, carry and I think that's quite a shame. Yeah, so Tekka is one that we go to. Um, actually, I don't think I've gone, brought her to any other wet markets. In mm. fact, yeah, because, yeah. So why do you choose to bring her to a wet market? Because a lot of young Singaporeans, they don't go to the wet market. So was it something that you had already been doing before you met her? When I started cooking again, you know, I, I would go to the supermarket as well um, to, to get most of my groceries. But um, as I started to want to learn more about, um, like, and, and cook more, like, local dishes, and um, there are many ingredients that, you know, I wouldn't be able to find in the supermarket. Um, so I started to look, okay, like, I've never been to a wet market um, by myself to buy my own groceries. So it's, you know, it was very intimidating. Um, so I, I did whatever research I could, you know, you know, how, how, how do you negotiate for prices and <laughs> in wet markets and things like that? Yeah. So, you know, but I went anyways. And um, I think uh, why I really liked Takao was that, you know, they had, it, it was like a really large market. And I think one of my favorite stalls is um, they, they carry um, like different peppers, like habanero peppers um yeah and and they have freshly grated coconut um and and so that's why i guess i just stuck with teka market you know the same um people selling you their groceries as well yeah so that that's how i i started to go to the markets lah. um and i guess you know the same thing um the things that you know she grew at she cooked at home you know we wouldn't be able to find in our supermarket as well yeah. so you know I thought, okay, let's head down to the market today and you know see what we can find. So, what are some typically Burmese ingredient uh, ingredients that she would pick up? Shelly's from this place called Kaya State, um, and and the way they cook it's quite different, I guess, from the general um, the the Burmese food that um, we know. Uh, yeah, but for example, one of the most famous dishes um, is like mohinga. It's yeah. uh, it's like the breakfast noodle dish and um, what Shelly actually got um, was she picked out the banana stems. Um, yeah, and that was the first time I was like, who eats banana stems, you know? Like, yeah, so she prepared it for us and it was like very delicious with the, with the, the broth. Um, she also picked out, you know, the split chickpeas and made this like very nice cracker with them. The base ingredients for um, the dishes that she prepares are, are roughly similar to actually um, the local, you know, rem ingredients that go into a rampa, yeah. Mm. So it's quite similar. And in terms of flavor profile, like how would you describe Burmese or, or food from her state to, you know, the typical Singaporean? Mm. In my experience, if you think of food, I guess there's a lot of um, uh, sour components mm. in each dishes. Um, a lot of um, use of 
like for example tamarind she would use the roselle leaves that we grow at home as well um yeah and she'll always like tell me all these different ingredients that i still haven't been able to find in singapore um that you know these different uh, vegetables that that she really really enjoys eating um yeah so it's i guess sour is one big component and spicy um and she was sharing with me that they grew this pepper um back home it's it's called the cayenne pepper from the state that um, they are in. And actually, I found, found out that it was the same pepper as the citron pepper. Oh. Yeah, so I was very, very, like, you know, like, um, shocked that, you know, I, I used to think, you know, citron pepper is, is only used in, in Chinese cooking or, you know, all your mala and all these spicy dishes. But, you know, I wouldn't imagine that it's such a big part of, you know, their cuisine in, in a small state in, in Burma. Mm. Yeah. So would you say that Burmese food is very, very regional? It's definitely very regional. Um, she, would, she has prepared different dishes from, and she'll tell us it's, oh, you know, this state does it differently. Um, this state folds this um, dumpling differently and they add this ingredient into it. So I, I'm not sure like how I would, you know, generalize or describe what mm. Burmese food is, but um, I think there's definitely a lot of... Um, acidity and in their food yeah yeah I, I think for me right when I tasted Burmese food for the for the first time it was at Peninsula Plaza which I believe mm. that you have gone before yeah. yeah yeah and I went to this restaurant called um Inle is it called Inle Inle I think yeah Inle restaurant <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had the tili salad for the first mm. time and I was like blown away because uh, from my knowledge, it is pretty much vegetarian, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I was amazed, like, because I wasn't a huge vegetable eater back then. Like, I hated yeah. vegetables when I was living in Singapore. And the fact that it could be so textural and so, like, yeah. multifaceted, like, so layered in, ter- in terms of flavor. Yeah. Um, and just the way that they used ingredients was so unique. Like, they fermented the tea leaves. And they also have like dal that they deep fried. Mm. So that, that were like that they gave like a crunchy kind of texture. Yeah. And then when I tried to read um cookbooks on Burmese food, like there's one called Burma Superstar. Yeah. Um I was very fascinated because you could see a lot of crossovers between Thai food and Burmese cuisine, right? Yeah. You know the 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 border um where she's from actually is to the west of the Thai Mei Hong Son province, you know. Um, and, and the way she cooks, you know, the ingredients they use, I can see that it's very similar. Um, for example, the chilies, you know, um, for, at the start, you know, of, of us cooking and trying out dishes together, um, I would just get the normal chili patties. Um, but she always told me, you know, like, these aren't, you know, nice, you know, they have like these very small, like very tiny um, green chilies that they actually prefer to use. Um, and I think uh, it, it's similar to the Thai, like the small um, bird eyes chili. Yeah. So, um, and and in terms of, like you said, you know, the, the tea leaf salad, mm. um, definitely there are, there's a lot more um, vegetarian and, and vegetable dishes um, in Burmese cuisine. Mm. Um, yeah. For example, she would just take um, the beans that we harvested and pound them with garlic and chili and just eat it as a relish. Mm. together with the with rice yeah so um it's but but the way she balances like you know the spiciness with the 
the greenness and the freshness of the beans as well as you know like um she'll add some lime into it it's it's like very very tasty yeah mm. and would you say that for a singaporean it is very easy to love and accept burmese cuisine or do you think it takes a bit of getting used to um i would say that it actually takes a bit of getting used to um i think in general because they, they really do have a lot of uh, vegetable dishes and as you said you know i think especially for young people we we might not enjoy eating um, these leafy greens as much as um, other people and you know we grew up eating a lot of meat a lot of stews and and um, meat dishes so um, it's something that we have to be um, open about before you know we, we um, actually try the food it's, it's pretty similar in that you know it, it's spicy it's very tasty um, yeah because the dishes use um, you know the same ginger garlic galangal turmeric all the different um, di um, ingredients that um, I guess um, the different countries all around us, you know, um, use in their cuisine as well. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that you said that because um, when I moved to Melbourne and I told my friends that I hate vegetables, they looked at me like, you know, why are you talking about vegetables are great, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I do think that it's a very Singaporean thing because meat is like very much a fixture on our dinner tables, right? We grew up eating mm. it. So we can't, so vegetables are always like that boring stir fry or, you know, it, it just yeah. gets um, like sidelined on the table. Yeah. So do you think that cooking Burmese food has really helped you appreciate vegetables more? Uh, yeah, definitely. So like, you know, previously, you know, the vegetable will be, always be like uh, the, the, side, the side dish, you know, something like, oh, I want to cook this stew today, but, you know, there's not enough um, dishes for everybody to eat. So, okay, la, let's just, you know, fry some vegetables for, to fill people's tummy. Yeah, so, <laughs> but, you know, the way that she approaches um, cooking the her vegetables, it's something that um, really inspired me to, mm -hmm. to um, want to really learn about, you know, what, what different things that we can do to vegetables to make them more appealing to, to everybody to eat, you know. It doesn't have to be just um, um, a side dish anymore. It can be something more um, like, like the star of a dish. Mm. Yeah. So what are some of the techniques that you have learned? The way she treats vegetables is to really bring out um, its character instead of drowning it in sauces. Mm. So for example, um, she makes this really good um, pumpkin noodle dish. Uh, yeah, so... She actually fries the pumpkin with together with some garlic and chili and um, curry leaf, um, and as well as this um, the the glass um, noodles. Um, but she doesn't add any of this like soy sauce, no oyster sauce, no none of those other seasonings. And the dish, you know, when it comes out, it like the noodle take really takes on the flavor, the sweetness of the pumpkins. And you know, when you eat it, even you know my siblings who don't particularly you know love pumpkin, you know they actually really appreciate and, and enjoy the dish. Mm. Yeah, so I think our, many people's approach to vegetables is, okay, how can we make it taste not of vegetables and, <laughs> and do something different with it? But I think maybe one, one way we can, I guess, another approach we can take is, you know, how, how can we um, take the characteristics of, of um, you know, this, this vegetable and... and I guess, amplify it. In, yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's a fantastic and such a novel way to think about it because every time when we cook vegetables in Singapore, it's always like trying to fake it, right? Either trying to fake like a meat kind of flavor by like really charring it so that it reminds you of a barbecue (laughs) or you know, like sneak in some like fish sauce or like hebi or dried cuttlefish or like belacan, you know? So I think it's very refreshing. So in terms of seasoning, it's for salt, it's mainly fish sauce or is it soy sauce? Um, it's mainly fish sauce, yeah. Because I think she, she doesn't really cook, when she cooks the food from home, she doesn't really use um, any soy sauce or oyster sauce because they don't have those over there. Yeah, so it's mainly actually just salt and, you know, all the different vegetables together. Yeah. And for sweetness, does she go with something like our gula melaka or? Uh, they do have um, palm sugar as well as uh, just, just the regular sugar that they can purchase. Yeah, but... Otherwise, I think actually the cooking is, I guess, relatively simple in the sense that, you know, there aren't many condiments that, that they use to add um, um, flavor to the dish. Um, actually, they do have um, something like albalachan. Mm. So they call it um, nappy. Yeah, so it's like that from <laughs> fermented fish or, or, or prawn paste that um, features a lot in, in their cooking. Yeah, that is very yeah. Thai. That is very similar to Thai yeah. food because they call it yeah. gapi in, in Thai. Oh, yeah. For acidity, you said they use tamarind. Tamarind, lime, right. and, and many of the vegetables itself are, you know, like the sour leaves, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, like the roselle leaves. Um, they use green mango as well. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's, it's something that I think, actually sourness is something that I feel not many people actually enjoy, um, or at least in my circle of, um, of people that I know, because sometimes they might think it's too harsh or, or it's not enjoyable. But personally, I really, really love, you know, those very sour and acidic foods. Yeah, so, you know, I love the roselle leaves. I love, um, you know, tamarind and lime. I always put lime in almost any dish, you know, finish it off with lime in any dish that we make. So how has this process of cooking with uh, Charlie and with, with um, you know, understanding more about her region's food shaped your understanding or changed your perspective of heritage food in Singapore? You know, looking at, you know, all the different um, ways that, you know, each state prepares the food, you know, it's, um, you know, similar to, you know, in Singapore or, you know, and Malaysia, you know, we compare the different ways we pre- prepare our rendang or, or you know, all the different, um, um, all the different dishes. Um, I guess it, it, I, I, I'm not that, um, like picky, you know, I'll, I'll eat any dish, you know, any, um, like, you know, rendang, is it Indonesian, is it Malaysian or, you know, the way, whichever way someone, somebody cooks it. Um, I, 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 I learned to appreciate it because, you know, that's the way that, they grew up eating and that's the way it should taste. Um, I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, this is oh, too sour. This is, there's not enough um, chili in this dish. So I think it, it sort of has opened my mind up to, you know, be more accepting of different variations of um, our, our local dishes um, when, when I'm tasting, um, you know, other people's take on, on, on a certain dish. Yeah. Yeah, I think because, that's... Yeah, we can't fault like anybody, I guess, um, that... No, that's the way that they grew up eating and that's 
you know, the flavor profile that they, that they know and that they associated with, okay, this is a good dish. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I feel like our parents' generation are like, I feel like they are very fixed in their ways when it comes to appreciating food. Like, for example, if my family makes chicken curry this way, if your family deviates from it a little bit, your family is wrong, my family is yeah. wrong. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that is so... That is very sad because we are unable mm. to appreciate variation in, in, in food. Mm. Um, and I yeah. think that's what comes with, you know, exposure to different cuisines. Like having an open mind is so important as a cook, I feel. Another thing um, that cooking with Shelly has, you know, um, I guess influenced me was that, you know, I, I imagined, for example, when I was um, an intern in um, uh, doing a stage at, in London, um, you know, I was always worried, okay, what if they ask me to cook stuff new and prepare something Singaporean, you know? It's like, I've never cooked, you know, I've, I've never like, I was only cooking for a couple of months then. You know, I was like, you know, what, what, what am I, you know, to prepare? I was so scared, you know, but okay, luckily that didn't happen. Um, but I actually walked away thinking, you know, hey, it's like, I'm Singaporean and why, why do I not feel comfortable, you know, cooking my own food, mm. right? And, and that's something that really, um, that was a spark to tell me, you know, when I come home, um, um, you know, to really like make sure that I'm familiar with, with the food of my own country. And so that, you know, I, I'm, I'll be able to share and educate people about, you know, where I come from and, and the things that we eat here. Um, so like Chelly, you know, when, when I asked her to share dishes um, that she cooked, you know, she was so comfortable with it. And you know, there's so many things that she was able to, you know, come up with and cook even though, you know, she says that, you know, she actually never really cooked back home that much. Yeah, so I think it, it really encourages me to, um, I guess, take uh, pride in, in learning and, and understanding more about um, our local food. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that is so beautiful because I was having this, I, was, I did this podcast episode with Brian Cole. I'm not sure if you know him, but yeah. he wrote really great books about books. different cuisines. Um, yeah. And we were talking about how... So he said that he feels that foreign domestic workers are, are ambassadors of their own cuisines. Mm. They are tr like truly sharing their heritage with the people whom they live with. I mean, given yeah. that opportunity. And I feel the same for us because, you know, for us, like we are so passive as Singaporeans growing up because food is always on the table. Hawker Centre yeah. is just down the road. Why do we need yeah. to learn? But mm -hmm. I, I guess when I became, when I started working as a chef and also especially when I, worked overseas like here in Australia then I realized how important it is to really know more about your food rather than yeah. just being good at consuming it because I think yeah. that's what Singaporeans are very good at right like yeah. we can tell the difference <laughs> yeah. we can tell the yeah. difference from one part of me to the other we were like yeah, this yeah. is not enough vinegar this one not good yeah yeah or like yeah, this one got no lard that one got lard this one never put people in the fishbowl you know we are so um, exacting when it comes to yeah. um, our food because we are so passionate and so proud but I think that pride needs to translate a little bit further mm -hmm. than just being keen consumers. Yeah. I remember that when I was working at a, 
at a restaurant. I, I was asked to cook staff meal and the restaurant didn't, because it was a European restaurant, it didn't have a rice cooker. Mm. So I didn't yeah. know how to cook rice, you know? <laughs> I was making things like curry and stuff, but I didn't know how to cook rice without a rice cooker. And it's so embarrassing, right? Because in your 20s, yeah. you don't even know how to cook rice. And so like yeah. my, my Malaysian colleague had to teach me how to make rice using a pot, you know? Yeah. And like, um, so I was like, how, how many grams of rice? How many grams of water? But he's like, no, like you never learn from your mom, is it? Use your finger, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's so like sobering for me to realize that I didn't even know how to do something so simple. And yeah, I knew how to make mm. like risottos, I knew how to make pastas. Yeah. And then when I moved to, to Australia, like I, I completely get your pressure because it's like so much pressure to put forward one dish that represents you and your country, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you only yeah. have one chance to get it right, you know, within a yeah. time limit. It's really like master chef. Very stressful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, actually on the last day they were like, hey, it's your last day, right? Let's make like fried rice. <laughs> I was like, what? And I was like <laughs> Oh, we don't have a wok. You can use this like large stock pot that we use. I was like thinking, how am I going to make fried rice with you know this pot? And they didn't really have, you know, many ingredients. They were saying, okay, um, we have this mushroom, we have like this um carrot, and then that's that's all you know that we can use in this dish. You know, so it's like they didn't really have soy sauce as well. So I was just so confused as to like you know what I would be able to you know bring to. Um, bring um, to the table during that service but you know luckily um, they, they were just joking around and you know someone else is doing the cooking for stuff me but I was you know it, it's a real pressure because like you know as, as a Singaporean growing up here you know very privileged you know um, I guess um, you know food is, is always something that we take for granted and we never really understand um, how these foods are being prepared um, like you know, the first time I made um Somi was when I was actually in London. Um, you know, and I was just like, wow, you know, there's so many things that goes into making just one bowl of of Mipok and it they said nothing like, you know, what what you know we had back home. And I just, you know, was wondering, you know, why are we, you know, paying so little, you know, when you know it takes so much effort for doing that. And I think, you know, listening to your podcast with, you know, all the different um of, I guess food authorities in Singapore as well as yourself, you know, sharing more about, you know, the importance of of us Singaporeans, I guess, changing our attitudes towards our local food and and paying more importance and 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 I guess um understanding that, you know, we are very lucky that all these hawkers are, you know, able to give us such good food at, you know, such reasonable prices. Yeah, so it's something that we really should, um, all of us, you know, should be more aware of and um, appreciate. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So why do you think someone like um, Charlie doesn't really feel that pressure when you ask her to cook something from home? Yeah, I, it's because, you know, back there, you know, she doesn't have to go to the supermarket. Um, the food is, they grow their own food at home, you know. Every, every day they would, or every week they would go and take the harvest for the week. Um, they bring it home and and I guess everybody's always you know involved in the cooking um and so even though you know they they don't really eat out in restaurants and and things like that, so the most you know they would go to another relative's home you know they just walk over and you know 
everyone's sitting at a dining table while someone's preparing the food outside or you know the process of cooking is is always i guess intertwined with you know all the other aspects of their lives so i guess it's something that you know would be more come come more naturally to her mm. yeah yeah i think so like it's a lot more casual versus i think yeah. for singaporeans the moment you say okay you know can you cook something for me it's like very tight to your own identity right you know yeah. like your own ego so yeah. i think it's very very different so what are some of the things that you have taught chelly like you know throughout the the whole discussion you have told me what she has taught you but what have mm. you you know helped her see differently or what have you um intro- introduced her to mm. um she actually really enjoys baking Mm. Um, she likes, yeah. She really loves like baking bread. Um, I, I've tried you know, making sourdough with her as well and pizzas. Oh, yeah, and then um, the her favorite thing to to make, you know, is actually like scones. Mm. Um, almost like for 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 a period, you know, every, almost every week she'll always you know be making scones and in the morning, you know, and just baking them because I think she she enjoys you know all these baked goods which mm. she previously might not have. Um, been able to make um you know back home when you know they they might not have an oven yeah and other things like um making kimchi you know she really really loves kimchi as well because it's spicy it's sour just yeah. like the food that she has back home yeah so i i guess those are just some things that um i've taught her or exposed her to yeah um yeah other things are like um maybe coffee and tea so you know, in Burma, you know, tea as well, and coffee is is a big part of the the um the big suppliers in the industry. And you know, I think she she told me that you know she used to work you know during like the the tea picking se- um, periods, you know, the seasons where she would go off to another state and and pick the tea leaves, but never really consumed it herself, and she never learned to enjoy the the taste of tea. So really? or, or coffee, yeah. She 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 um back. I don't think they actually um, get to consume um, the things that um, they are picking for themselves. Uh, mm. Most of the time, it's actually just for a company and, and that's being sold to, to different parts and processed um, in different parts of the world. So, yeah, so, you know, showing her, you know, coffee and tea. And I think she's taken quite a liking to, like, tea with milk and, like, loads of sugar. You know, she really, <laughs> really loves Yeah. What about bubble tea? Oh, actually, no, I haven't gotten the chance to, you know, let her try bubble tea because I myself don't drink that much bubble tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's so Singaporean, right? I think she yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I also read on one of your Instagram posts that you introduced her to kombucha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kombucha as well because, you know, again, you know, tea is, you know, such a big part of, um, of, of the country. So, I was saying, you know, you know, this is what you know. Some people do with tea, tea, you know, they ferment it, and then I, I, I guess try to explain the, the process of you know like fermentation, all these bacteria, mm-hmm. and you know when she tasted it, you know she 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 really liked it because um, there's the idea of being able to um, put you know all your different fruits into it to flavor it, and and I think you know just the whole process of like um, taking something that um, she was very familiar with back home. Um, and, and showing her a new way of, you know, like, approaching that particular ingredient. Mm, 
Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is so cute. It's so interesting. Yeah. Right? I mean, because yeah. tea is such a big part of our culture. Mm. Um, so given that you and Charlie, uh, Charlie are so close, um, like, how do you deal with the fact that one day you guys, you know, have to part ways? Mm. Um, I think, well, actually, in our case, you know, her contract might be ending, and the two-year contract might be ending pretty soon, um, in a couple of months, and I've, you know, talked about to her about it, and, you know, I think, you know, she's she's very young, so, um, I guess she would definitely be missing home, and she'll want to, you know, maybe like go home and and not spend, um, you know, extend the contract, and I think for me it's, um, you know, nowadays you know with with the internet with with technology, it's very easy for us to keep in contact with each other. Mm. Um, so that's one way that, you know, I guess I personally can deal with, you know, the fact that, you know, I might not be able to, you know, be seeing her every day at home. Um, and, yeah. you know, I also, you know, tell her, you know, one day, you know, um, I would really love, you know, for you to bring me around your country and, you know, the place where you stay and show me around your farm. Um, and she's always, you know, very willing. Actually, Recently, um, she got she and her cousin got um, her family to send some ingredients over from, uh, yeah, from a from a home. Um, so they sent it from a home all the way to Yangon, and then they they shipped it over to Singapore. So I was like, wow, like that's a lot of effort. And you know, she really wanted to share um, the things that you know they were making or or growing at home. Yeah. So for example, um, she always talked about this wine that they made from the different grains that they grew um, and and you know she brought it over and well it's it's very very tasty it's sweet but it's not you know not too strong and, and it, it reminds me of like you know makgeolli and mm. you know sake all these rice grains um, yeah and it's took on like a very very cool light pink color mm. yeah so you know it's it's nice that you know the fact that we are able to still um, I guess in this day and age, um, communicate with each other overseas and maybe she will be able to send things over and I can send things over to her home as well. Shelly is pretty um, young herself. She's maybe about three years older than me. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't feel like there's this um, large of a disconnect between um, the things that we can talk about. So, you know, even if we were to keep in contact, you know, after she leaves, it wouldn't be, you know, so awkward as to maybe if it was someone else who's much older in a different phase of her life and, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, I can speak to her about. So mm -hmm. that's one of the good things about, you know, that, um, you know, she's very young and, you know, we're sort of on the same level and, yeah. we, you know, always joke, yeah. Oh, that's each other. so cute. That's great. Can you share with um, listeners one easy dish that people can make from wet market ingredients, something that you discovered over this circuit breaker period. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess it's it's the dish that I wouldn't call it a dish, but you know the condiment yeah. um, that I described to you with the finger root earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess it, it would you know you really have to go to the wet market if you want to um, find this dish. You know, I mean um, to to make this dish because again, you know, finger root is not something that you can commonly find in the supermarkets. Yeah, so, um, you know, finger root. Um, and then you just take maybe one or two of, um, two stalks of the finger root and you can pound it with, you know, chili, um, 
one large tomato, for example, and and season it with a little bit of like salt or soy sauce. Like it's a very very simple um, dipping sauce and condiment. But trust me, like for those you know who haven't tried finger root before, it's it's really quite eye opening. Yeah. And and use it to dip um, in a lot of like as as a dipping sauce for many dishes. You know, like from meat to just eating it simply like with rice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not simple, and I feel like. You know, it's something that I will definitely try when I'm back home next, when I go to a wet market, because I love finger root. Um, mm-hmm. I had it first when I was at Thailand, and they had this, you know, trinity of flavors, right? Finger root, green peppercorn, and Thai basil. Have you ever mm. had the combination? I don't think, yeah, no, I haven't really oh, had that. Oh, no, you're out. You yeah. should try it. You know, okay. like, for example, you can make something like, a, I'm not sure if you have made uh, red curry paste before Thai red curry mm, paste yeah, yeah. Have you? yeah okay so you just make that and then maybe you just take two or three tablespoons like not the whole batch mm, yeah. you stir fry your meat you add the curry paste toss yeah. and then you add um, a, a, quite a significant amount of gula malaka mm. and fish sauce to season yeah so it becomes almost like a caramelized glaze on yes, the pork yeah. And mm. then you add your Thai basil. So it takes on like this pak krapao kind of flavor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you Actually, top it. Hmm? Yeah, that's a dish that's in your book, right? Because yeah. I remember like it, it was one of like the dishes that I saw. And I was like, dude, this looks so delicious, you know? Um, the way you described it as well, I think. Like, I, I really wanted to try it, but you know, I've been so busy that <laughs> I haven't had the chance to. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those dishes that you hardly see in Thailand anymore because when you go to Thailand, I'm not sure if you've been to Thailand in recent years. Um, in the last three years, maybe? Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, when I went there, I really wanted to try their regional food, but mm-hmm. I feel like I came across this dish called American Fried Rice more than like any oh other thing. Oh and no. you yeah. hardly see any of these re- regional dishes anymore, which yeah. is quite sad. So yeah. definitely go, do give it a shot. I mean, especially yeah. if you like spicy food. Like, oh my god, fresh green peppercorns are amazing. Yeah. Have you had it before? Yeah, the fresh peppercorns. Yeah, it's good, it's really, right? It's very delicious. Yeah. 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 Anyway, can you tell me about your this nice recipes thing that I... Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's like it's been a work in progress for I don't know the past two years and um I guess okay it's it's for those who don't know it's it's uh it's just this Instagram account that you know I set up because I really wanted to document and um and and um document um my grandmother and her cooking and the food that she prepared because um I grew up eating a food every day and um my best memories of of food you know is is the things that she's prepared for me, you know. Um, every time I was a bit uh, hungry and missing, um, missing the things that she prepared, I always ask for the same things. For example, like she always makes this um, like beef stew, Hainanese beef stew. Yeah, that's to me like really warms the soul, you know. Um, yeah, so I started this Instagram to um, take some pictures of her, you know, learn more about how she prepares the food and. In my mind, I was like, oh, you know, if I make enough, if I take enough photos and recipes, I can, you know, write a small book that I can print for me and my family to, I guess, like, you know, as a nice keepsake to have at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then? <laughs> yeah, and then, 
<laughs> and then I guess you know with, with the whole second breaker thing, you know, I couldn't visit her, couldn't go and you know like um, see her. I guess so. Yeah, I forgot about the thing. Yeah. And put it beside me, but you know, I always you know like I hope to not just um say that I want to do it, but hopefully you know twenty twenty one I'll get down to really recording more of these things yeah oh my god so exciting like when i clicked on the instagram account because initially your i I think your main your personal account is private right so i clicked on your on this nine 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 what's it called the the forgetful cook or something yeah the forgetful cook yeah, I clicked on yeah. it and I saw the photos and they were all so like heartfelt and so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, because I think one another reason that um I really wanted to start it was that, you know, she was getting older and you know, being a bit more forgetful. Um so, you know, I was afraid, you know, what if um you know she she I guess um progresses to the point where maybe she forgets mm-hmm. um the, how to prepare um, the food that she's done before or, you know, and, and it really, uh, I guess, struck a chord in me to say like, hey, look, you know, um, you're very close to your grandmother and you really love her. So like, why not take the time um, since, you know, um, you're still young and, um, you know, she's still around with you um, to really learn more about, um, you know, the food that she prepares, where she's from and, you know her story, her whole background and her whole story. And um, I guess in a way, for all the family members to, I guess, be able to remember her by, it's sort of like a legacy. And at the same time, you know, it helps her, you know, to, I guess, like exercise her mind, you know, like think, okay, Ben wants me to cook this today. You know, let me remember how I used to prepare it from long ago, you know. I know that a lot of people who have um, like messaged me through Singapore noodles, they say that uh, some dishes are forever lost, you know. And, and because there's so many variations between families, uh, one family's version of something, it might not be the same one that you grew up with. Yeah. So yeah, I really wish that you would do it. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I can, you know, take more photos and more recipes. And, yeah, yeah, do it. I'm looking forward to seeing them on your Instagram. Yeah. Okay, I will I will update it. Thank yeah, you okay. so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. That wraps up another episode of the Singapore Noodles podcast. My guest on the show was Benjamin Lim. You can find him on The Forgetful Cook or Ben Spelly on Instagram. That is B-E-N-S-S-B-E-L-L-Y. Also, we have some copies of the Singapore Noodles Planner left over from our stockists and we would love to get them into your hands if you are still planning to get them. We are offering up to a 40% discount depending on how many copies you get. So go on to sgpnoodles.com to purchase your copy. And if you have been enjoying our wet market movement past the Passar on Instagram and you would like to receive weekly ingredient roundups, then sign up for the newsletter at sgpnoodles.substack.com. That is S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K. Once again, thank you for the support towards Singapore Noodles and I'll catch you all next week.